Okay. Uh, right, well, we're at the end of Peter. So if you find Peter in your Bibles, you start at the back, work your way forward, you'll probably find it quicker. <laughs> and we're in Peter chapter 5, which is the last one. And you can find it on page... The verses we're going to read are on page 1,221. It starts with the words, be self-controlled. When you found that, you can just plunk it on your lap. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought we could start this morning um, by thinking about the idea of battle. Um, And I wonder how real um, this battle feels to you. Uh, Maybe you're thinking, well, some days, actually, Louise, it feels a little bit more real to me than others. Um, I mean, what do you think of maybe when your home is broken into or your work colleagues are slandering you or your family maybe attacks you for your beliefs? Or your friends are ridiculing you or criticising you. I wonder what comes into your mind. I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day and um, her house had been broken into twice in one week. And she said to me, you know, the devil is really attacking us at the moment because um, we're involved in this church project. We're about to launch it. Everything's about to go. And uh, we, we feel really under attack. And I remember just thinking, goes through your mind, you've got to be honest, it's a bit over-spiritualising it. <laughs> you know, this sort of thing just kind of happens, doesn't it? But I don't think that that is actually true. <clears throat> I think her understanding of the situation was much better than mine. If you look at the New Testament teaching, if you look at anything that Peter writes or how Jesus saw his life, uh, it is us who've reduced uh, the kind of events of our lives to just being simply something that just happens or perhaps a bit of bad luck or, well, that's life. And when I was looking at these uh, verses, God's really been reminding me of something that he taught me almost 10 years ago now, but I don't know if you're like me, I forget what God's taught me. (laughs) He has to remind me of it. Um, And this lesson um, came when I was working in a different culture where um, it was really important uh, to be hospitable, to to visit people um, and to uh, be with them. And in this situation, I hadn't been visiting a particular family. And um, what happened was this family became very offended by my lack of visitation. And they began to slander my name through the village um, and saying some quite horrendous stuff against me. Um, And it was at this point that God took me um, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Um, while I was really struggling with this, I was quite angry with them. I was quite upset. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
And it was here that God really showed me, Louise, your struggle is not with this family. It is about this family. It is over this family. You are wrestling for this family. Um, And God really managed to show me that my eyes need to be much higher and much bigger picture of what is going on. If I'm there to show the love of Jesus, I need to show it whatever is thrown at me. Um, And it was interesting that once I began to visit them again, we were really quickly reconciled and I was able to continue to share the love of Jesus with them. Now, if I'd responded in a normal way, got angry, refused to visit them, uh, maybe responded in similar kind of slanders back, those kind of very human, instinctive, sinful desires that we have, that witness that family would have been completely lost. Notice Jesus, when he is thinking about his arrest, he's talking with his disciples, and he's talking about the fact that he's going to get arrested, and he says, I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. Now, isn't it interesting that he doesn't say, the soldiers, the religious leaders are coming to arrest me. He says, the prince of this world is coming. Jesus had a really good understanding of the spiritual reality behind what was going on. And it was interesting, wasn't it, that on the cross he cried, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. His battle was never with the people. He said, I came into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. But his response to the devil I have come, and he came to overcome the works of the devil. And that's not to say that the priests and the soldiers and Judas had no part in this. That's not to say that the people who slandered me were not sinful. They certainly were. They weren't robots being controlled by the devil. But it's certainly there is a bigger force going on behind that is rejoicing in this sort of event and egging it on. Whereas God wants good for his creation, he wants us to be restored and lifted up. He wants us um, to be the people that he's made us to be. The devil wants to condemn and accuse and destroy and tear down and bring anger and hatred So as we come to the end of Peter's letter, he's been talking to a church who are undergoing suffering and potentially it's going to get a lot worse. And the whole time he's been asking them to respond to this suffering in an appropriate way, a way that reflects their following of Jesus, that they do good, continue to keep doing good to people, even though they are not necessarily doing good to them. And he writes at the end, in chapter 5, verse 12, he says, well, what have I written? To encourage you, to testify it is the true grace, and finally, to stand fast in it. And that standing fast, we're going to come back to. Standing fast, no matter what is thrown at you, no matter how difficult life gets, standing fast in what you know. So let's read verse 8 and 9. 
It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So firstly, Peter says, he said it already, get your head right. This is how I've abbreviated it. Get your head right. Be self-controlled and alert. And this idea has come up a number of times. In chapter 1, he says, prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Come on, guys, let's get ready. In chapter 4, verse 7, he says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And often when we think about self-control, we think about the action. But Peter is rightly linking it very much with the thinking. Okay? Our actions <laughs> don't start in the doing. They start very much in our thinking, our beliefs about a situation, our understanding, our goals. For example, um, if you have, um, you have a tendency to overeat, okay? Let's just take that as one example out of many. It could be that you have not thought about it. You haven't considered the consequences of what you're doing. It could be based on a belief system. I have a right to eat what I want, stuff you, stuff me. It could be, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it could be an un a false understanding that chocolate biscuits and cakes are actually part of your five a day. <laughs> or it could be an unhealthy goal that's driving you, maybe to punish yourself or to compensate for something. We're going in the wrong directions. That's our beliefs, our actions, our goals are driving what we do. And that is what we see when we talk about self-control. It's the same with any actions that we do. And as followers of Jesus, if we want our actions to look like his actions, then our beliefs and what we understand of the situation around us needs to be the same. Peter wants these people to get their heads right. Do you remember what he said right at the beginning? He talks about a temporary residence. This isn't your home. He talks about them reminding them of what God's done for them, what he's doing, what he will do. He's drumming into them a bigger picture so they can get their heads right for what is happening to them. He wants them to see the truth. The second word, alert. Okay, you could think of a little rabbit. He's very alert and he's ready. He's eating his grass, but he's already waiting because he knows there's a fox that could be there. If you watch Star Trek or something like that, they've got a red alert and they're ready. It means they're not going to be sleeping. They're going to be ready for action to see what the opposition is going to do. What is going to be their next move? And if you think of Peter, he's writing this. Now, what is his experience of this? Well, if you think back to Mark, what Mark writes, he records in chapter 14, verse 38. He was told, remember, they're waiting in the Garden of Gethsemane. What is coming? He's told them, you know, the prince of this world is coming. He says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. In other words, 
pray, stay alert, get watchful, something's about to happen. We need you to get your understanding right. You need to be ready to act in the right way to the events that are going to happen. Jesus, during this time, he's praying to his father. He's getting comfort, encouragement. He's going to make the right choices to act in a way that is following his father, not a kind of gut reaction. And if you remember, Peter fell asleep. So did the other disciples. They didn't react in in the right way. In fact, they stopped watching And when the soldiers came to arrest, what did Peter do? He got out his sword. He faced violence with violence. When he was asked, are you going to, do you know this guy? He didn't respond in the strength of having prayed and being ready, but he denied that he even knew Jesus. And we need similarly, like Peter's saying here, a clear view We need to have our heads right. Not cultural understanding, not um, what the insurance companies say. We need God's perspective on the world around us. Otherwise, our actions are going to be exactly the same as anyone else who doesn't know Jesus at all. Okay, number two, know your enemy. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if you think about uh, Paul um, writing this, sorry, Peter writing this, he is in Rome. He's at the place of the Colosseum where they regularly chuck people to the lions and they see them ripped limb from limb. It's a really graphic and horrific uh, vision or picture of what the devil or the Satan or whatever the enemy of God is like. Savage, desperate, ready, prowling, looking for someone to desire. And Peter sees really clearly that behind the authorities behind all those people that he's been uh, admonishing the believers in Jesus to to submit to, not to respond uh, rebelliously to, he sees a bigger thing. He sees the enemies of God. And he uses the legal term from Jewish traditions that would be adversary, the accuser, the one who comes uh, like in a courtroom to accuse God of doing wrong or to accuse the followers of Jesus of doing wrong. But he's not interested in justice. He's interested in discrediting the words of God and the works of God. And we, as followers of Jesus, are products of the word of God and the works of God. Are we not? So, we should be a target. And this is not... To, um, to, to, to scare you or um, to, to make us run or to be fearful, but we need to be aware. We need to get our understanding right. The devil just loves to rejoice in our fear and anxiety. He loves to see us destroying ourselves, to see us hating, rebelling. He delights in it. And we need to be ready to fight. So let's look at know how to fight. Okay. He says, resist him, stand firm in the faith. 
You know, we're not powerless in this situation. It's not just we go, oh, he's so powerful. No, actually, we have been given uh, weapons of defense. We don't need to withdraw or hide or hope that he never notices us. It says we need to stand firm. And if we go back to Ephesians 6, it talks about the full armor. Our, our, our full armor needs to be on. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, um, it says the following. You might be able to read it. <laughs> it says, put on the full armor of God. I wonder how many of us thought about that this morning. I'm not sure I did. So that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We need to know what the truth is. Remember right back in week one, we talked about we don't want a fake God. We don't want a God we've made up. We want to know what the Bible actually says. We need to know the truth. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, we need to know Jesus, our righteousness, not anything we've done, Jesus is there. Feet fitted, readiness with the gospel of peace. We're ready to go, ready to speak, carry out God's works. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith from which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You need to know the one you're trusting in, what you believe. When the devil is there, you know, I sometimes get it, it's coming in the back of your mind, you're a bit rubbish. Why would God like you anyway? That was an awful thing to do. Can't believe he did that. Call yourself a Christian. We've got to be ready at that point to say, well, what is my value to God? I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I get it wrong and I totally grasp onto you, Jesus. But I thank you that I know that you love me, you created me, you made me in my mother's womb, you knitted me together, that you rejoiced over me with singing, that, um, that you died on the cross for me, you gave your ultimate price for me, that I have value in your sight. We need to be ready, don't we, to counteract the devil's lives. If we don't know our Bibles, we won't be ready. Take the helmet of salvation that we're saved by grace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've got to be ready to wield it, to know what to do. When someone's attacking us, well, how should I respond in this situation? Should I get into a blazing row with them? What does the Bible say I should do in that situation? We need to be ready. And the words that Jesus says, again, watch and pray. We're not just resisting this onslaught. Uh, James tells us really clearly, submit yourselves then to God. Um, do, do what God wants you to do. Resist the devil. And what will he do? Will he continue? No, he will flee from you. We are very much, we have, we have our weapons. And Jesus says to his disciples, I've given you authority. He's given her power over the enemy. We're not powerless. And finally, this is real life. It says, because you know, in the passage, it says, because you know your brothers all over the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We've got to get our expectations right, haven't we? This is real life for the Christian the Christian life is not one where we get up and everything we do is so easy 
Actually, we're still in the real world and life is tough. Life is tough for us, just like everyone else. And the devil, he wants to tear us down, rip us to bits and see us walk away from Jesus, despairing. We need to be clear when we're praying. Jesus said uh, very clearly, if the world hates you, keep it in mind, it hated me first. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. Timothy writes, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We've got this very clear. Jesus never made any promises it was going to be easy. Carefree, persecution-free Christianity, it doesn't exist. But we need to know the hope we have. Know it. Last bit, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. After a little while, that's your life. (laughs) Sorry. That is our lives after a little while. When we're in glory, this is a little while. What's he going to do? Restore you. He's going to complete you. Finish what he began, making you how he intended you to be. He's going to strengthen you, establish you fully in him forever in his glory. Make you firm, make you strong in him. No one will ever be able to grasp you out of his hand. He has you. And make you steadfast, that you are standing on Jesus. Here is not our home. we got something loads better to come. But God starts what we're going to see in eternity here. He is making us strong. He is strengthening us. He is the one that makes us steadfast. We need to be going to him when we're meeting these battles in our everyday life. Maybe today... This battle is all too real for you. We've got to keep going to Jesus. Take some time to pray with someone today. If uh, there's someone we've come with or someone that you feel close to that you can just go to, just bring it before God. Acknowledge the spiritual battle. Some of the things we face are not to do with that. If, if I go on a massive shopping spree and I can't pay my bills... That's my sin. That's not the devil having a go at me. I sinned. Okay? We don't want to make everything the devil. But we also want to be aware that the devil wants us. He wants to destroy us. Maybe the battle seems very unreal. You're like, actually, that's a million miles away to me. In a culture that denies, really, that the devil exists at all, it can feel a long way away. Or maybe you need to bring that before God today and just say, God, open my eyes. Give me a real understanding of what's going on. And maybe today you're not following Jesus yet. You're not sure where you stand. Remember what we sung earlier? You know, he will come again, some to heaven, some not. Some to be with God, some not. You know, we wanted to live for God, 
or live for ourselves. There isn't really a middle ground here. God desperately loves what he has created, you. You're so valuable to him. He sacrificed himself for you, to restore you, to build you, to heal you, to mend you. And he only asks us to come, just come to me. Admit you've shut him out. He knows all the mistakes you've made. He knows all the things you wish you hadn't done. But it doesn't come to condemn, he comes to save. Let's just pray together now. And as we pray, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't submitted to him, if you don't know the power of him in your life, use this opportunity now to ask him to come into your life and show himself to you. Let's pray. Father, we know that we have lived our lives often without any reference to you at all and that we've lived selfishly and for our own interests. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us in our place that we could live. Please forgive me for all I have done wrong in rejecting you in the past. And from this moment, I want to follow you, put you first in my life. Please send me your Holy Spirit to help me live for you. And Father, for those of us who are struggling right now, who know what it is to be in the battle, who feel that they are desperately gripping on, Father, help them stand firm in what they know about you. Strengthen them, Lord, in your word and your power and help them stand firm and steadfast until you come again. In Jesus' name, amen.